Welcome to Biohackers Lab, a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways. Join us to discover how you can biohack your life, your body, starting today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biohackers Lab. I'm your host, Gary Kerwin, and on today's episode, I have Asha Yaron. Asha is the man behind one of the most viewed and listened to TED Talks on coffee. He is the founder of Free Coffee, based in Ubud, Indonesia. His passion and focus is on the pharmacological effects this natural substance has on the human brain and body. Through his research and experimenting, he has realized the substantial benefits of drinking fresh coffee and why we need to move into the fourth wave of coffee now. Asha, thanks so much for coming onto the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, you know, I think if anyone's watched your TED Talk, they immediately get excited about drinking fresh coffee. And if they don't know you, they're going to they're gonna love the information that you're going to share today. Um, as, yeah, I'm just so excited about coffee <laughs> in general. But after the information you shared, I'm even more excited. So what I mentioned in the description there was you have a passion for fresh coffee. And that's the key thing we're going to be talking about today. So if you wouldn't mind, just explain to listeners, what do you mean by fresh coffee? So, uh, fresh coffee, my definition is roasted within 24 hours. That's the key. I think that's the most important thing. And then immediately after roasting, it is ground and brewed and uh, consumed. So, those three steps, roasting, grinding, and brewing, all happening consecutively with no gaps in between and preferably um consuming roasted within 24 hours and the closer you are to when it was roasted immediately after is best i say 24 hours because 40 percent of some of the elements after 24 hours have already left the bean after roasting so the closer you can consume to roasting the better Mm. and i think you know just hearing that most people thinking so drinking coffee like nearly immediately after it's been roasted like that's the definition of fresh air not yeah it was roasted sometime in the last four weeks <laughs> so it's a completely different different version of what true fresh coffee is right and and actually this is a version that go- that has history it goes back a thousand years this is the way the original users of this substance were were treating their coffee they were roasting grinding and brewing and consuming right away There wasn't this big corporate infrastructure that was built around marketing and packaging and profits that has been created over the past many hundreds of years. So we're going back to the source of how uh, coffee was originally intended to be made and consumed, but the benefits of today's machines make the process much easier, simpler, affordable, convenient, and quick. Mm-hmm. But that's where you found on your own personal coffee journey, um, you've got a book that's coming out that isn't out quite yet, but I, I've had a chance to read it. And just reading your personal journey of going from poor quality coffee, brewed coffee, instant coffees, all the way to where you are now, You've the reason you're so passionate about fresh coffee is because of the benefits you found um, just by drinking coffee that is that is fresh, freshly roasted. So if you wouldn't mind just explaining what are some of the benefits you found from drinking fresh coffee? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, so let me explain my uh, story and how I got to that point because it's it's very common story, I think, among coffee lovers. Uh, when I was younger, I would only drink decaf coffee because I was a little, uh, I was high strung, and it felt that when I drink caffeinated coffee. Now I'm talking about instant caffeinated coffee because back in the 70s, uh, growing up, that's really what you had. Um, but instant coffee is mostly made of robusta coffee which is the variety of coffee. And Robusta has a very high caffeine level and tends to put put you into overload for your nervous system. So you get jitters, you get the shakes. And it's a very different buzz. I didn't know it at the time what kind of coffee it was that I was drinking. I just knew that um, it stimulated me too much. So I only drank decaf growing up. And then as 
uh, coffee evolved from instant and we hit the, the second wave. So the first wave was um, uh, making coffee for the masses. And that was canned coffee, instant coffee, Maxwell House, Hills Brothers, Folgers. They were, they were all, all involved in that wave. And that was producing coffee for the masses. And then Starbucks comes along in the uh, 80s and 90s and introduces people to espresso coffee because the founder, Howard Schultz, went to Italy and had this incredible experience drinking espresso. And he thought it was superior and he wanted to bring this to the U.S. So that was really the second wave of coffee was um, whole bean roasted and roasted within a few months' time, not instant, which has been roasted, ground, packaged many, many months, even years, well, well before. So it really kind of strips all of the uh, uh, the good good things away. So as these waves started to happen, I was evolving in my coffee experience as well. And during that Starbucks wave, I started to go to Starbucks. I liked it a lot more than the instant. And then in the early 2000s, the third wave came along. And the third wave was like an anti-Starbucks wave a little bit because what Starbucks did was they roasted very dark. So they, they needed to have the same taste of their coffee. Any, any Starbucks in the world tasted the same, whatever you ordered. And um, they, so they homogenized it in that sense. And so the, the third wave was micro-roasters. Other people trying different roast levels and different varieties and coffee from different places. So this whole other new area opened up. And so you saw the, the small coffee shops. People started roasting in their garages and offering uh, this, this coffee that was really a lot different than the, the Starbucks model. That was what the third wave was. And myself was taken along in these waves as well. And the Starbucks wave made me think, that I need to have an espresso machine. I needed to know how to be a barista, which is grinding and making your own espresso coffee. And there's a real skill and art to that. But there was nothing about where is the coffee from? When was it roasted? This kind of thing. Nothing. No information. No one's talking about it. It's just about the barista. You go in, they have this huge, expensive $10,000 espresso machine that makes this great coffee. And so I was kind of taken up into all that too. And then in, in around 2005, some friends of mine, they knew I love coffee and they gave me a baggie, a plastic baggie with coffee. They said they roasted at home in their hot air popcorn popper. I didn't know what that meant really, but uh, they knew I loved coffee and they wanted me to try it. And I remember I, I took it home. I didn't think anything of it, I put it in the cabinet. And the next morning when I went to make my coffee, and by this time I had a, a single group espresso machine and a grinder, and I had been trying all different ways to make coffee, but I was still buying the same coffee in Costco, which was Starbucks, Green Mountain, um, these big brands. And I would buy in these bigger packages because it was vacuum sealed, and I figured you know, pretty much all the same because it all tasted the same. So I didn't know any difference about when it was roasted. No one was talking about that. And that was my usual thing. So I just kept for two years, I kept trying to make my barista experience better, get more um, experience being a better barista because I thought that's what made a better call. And I remember, I, so I took this package home, these friends gave me, and I put it in the cabinet, didn't think anything of it. And I noticed the next morning when I went to make coffee that I was out. I was out of my normal Starbucks bought Costco Big five-pound bag I didn't have anymore. And I remembered, oh, I had this coffee that was given to me the night before. And I took the coffee, I ground it, and I brewed it. And I didn't think anything of it. I was just going through my routine. And I, when I took a sip, made the coffee away, I like it, and took a sip. I couldn't believe it. Epiphany. It was the most amazing coffee I've ever, ever had. It it, the, the, the taste, the liveliness of it, I mean, just literally woke me up. And I remember I had this feeling that I was like the first discoverer of his fresh roasted coffee thing, you know, which I wasn't. But 
it had a, a huge impact. And I just had to sit with it for a while because uh, uh, I knew that it just felt like, whoa, this is going to be my life's work from now on. And I started to do some research. Why, why was this? Why is nobody talking about this? Why was this so far different from what I had experienced before? And I started to do some research and found that there was a small part of the coffee market of home roasters, people who roasted themselves and hot air popcorn poppers. They used hair dryers. They used all kinds of different things. And when I started to look into it, I realized I had a four burner outdoor barbecue grill that I could turn into a coffee roaster. And I found a place online that would give you the materials in order to do that. And so I started roasting on my own because I could not believe uh, the difference. And I started sharing it with my friends and they had the same reaction that I had. They couldn't believe coffee could be that good. And that was really uh, the beginning. So it was really kind of an accident where I just tried it and it just blew me away. I mean, it was just so far different than anything I had ever had before. And that's when I realized it was all about the roasting and when it's consumed after roasting it had nothing to do, a little bit to do, but not a lot to do with, with the espresso machine, with being a barista, all uh, that kind of thing. I think anyone listening to that who likes drinking coffee can relate to that where you drink that cup and you think, oh man, that's a good cup of coffee. But your experience there just took you to that epiphany level, that Christopher Columbus discovery level where you're like, wow, what is this? And to, exactly. think, and to think that one cup of coffee pivoted you into a whole new career is fascinating. You know, that's yeah. how powerful that cup of coffee was for you. Exactly. I mean, it, 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 it uh, and, and, and then further research made me realize that this is the most used psychoactive drug in the world. And I, I say that, and I say that word drug, people don't like to think coffee is a drug, but wow, what this coffee was able to do, wake it up my mind, give me inspiration, happiness. I mean, um, um, it stimulated my thoughts in a certain way that nothing before uh, had been able to do any other substance, you know, so it was uh, really that powerful. And further research led me to realize that this was what the first discoverers of coffee a thousand years ago, who were monks, who were using it in meditation, they were getting high off the stuff. And that's what this thing called the Ethiopian coffee ceremony was invented over a thousand years ago, where they roast, grind, and brew in succession like that. And anybody who's been to Ethiopia, they say it's the best coffee in the world. And what they don't realize is they think that it's because the coffee is grown there in Ethiopia, but it's not that. It's the process. It's the roast, grind, and brew that they... Um, uh, their ceremony that they uh, treat the coffee like that. That's the biggest difference. It's not about, and because and, the way they're roasting too is really in a, in a pan and like a metal pan, like a wok over a fire. I mean, it's not the best roasting method, but they're used to it so they can um, still make good coffee out of it. And they're grinding with a mortar and pestle. They don't have a burr grinder that we can buy now for like 50 bucks and, and have a much greater consistent grind size, they're using a mortar and pestle. And then they're brewing it. And they're not brewing it with an espresso machine. So we, we have these machines that can do a superior job, but the focus is still on buying coffee in the store from a brand name and thinking you'll get that same experience and you cannot. And that, that was my... That was my realization, and that's what really woke me up. And the interesting thing was when I would talk to coffee professionals about that, it was all about the roasting. Um, they really didn't know what I was talking about because they never experienced uh, what I had experienced. And what I found is that the coffee industry sells people on an idea based on marketing and packaging because that is their business model, and that's how they make the greatest amount of profits. 
And so they, they stick with that and kind of uh, teach people or educate people into not understanding that it's about the roasting, that you can put something fresh roasted in a vacuum sealed bag, leave it on a shelf for weeks or months. And when you open that bag, the idea is that's as fresh as the day it was roasted. And it is not. It's devoid of all those incredible substances that affect the brain and the body in very positive ways. Hmm. And that's uh, that's the part I'm, I've become so much more educated just listening to you is, I, as you mentioned earlier, I think once you become a coffee drinker, you want to become the best barista you can yourself. And you get to have fun with your machinery at home and you're trying different things. And you try to be, you know, like the hipster down at the coffee shop yourself. And right. <laughs> But it is fascinating to hear that the what you found a key component to the coffee is, as you said, it's the 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 roasting process and that you're consuming it within such a, t- a short time frame, not just the the brewing process because there's been so much focus, I guess, when we get to that third wave is how is it brewed too and and also where the beans are sourced from. But I, yeah, I just love the idea that, you, you know, it's there's a whole new level to coffee. And as you said, the 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 medicinal, the drug effect of the coffee, not just the taste. And that's the big difference too from an education point of view, I believe, that you're trying to teach people there's a there's a whole different chemical reaction in your body when you drink fresh coffee and is and don't just focus on the taste component. That's right, exactly. So so the way the whole coffee industry has been set up and the the main um, body organization uh, the Specialty Coffee Association of America, the SCAA, has specific protocols on for barista competitions for what they consider is making the best coffee. And they talk about the coffee must rest. It must degas. Now, what's created during the roasting process is CO2, carbon dioxide. Well, you know, you know from... Uh, early school science that carbon dioxide is odorless, tasteless, harmless, right? Mm-hmm. But they need for, for this to degas because they, they say it uh, changes the way it's brewed like in, in, in a an espresso machine. But what they're not realizing is with the CO2, the CO2 is a gas and they say 40% of the CO2 has already left the coffee bean. Coffee bean's porous. After roasting, it's been created. These gases are leaving the bean. As it's leaving the bean, 40% has already gone in 24 hours. 40%. And my studies show that the next 60% tend to happen another six days after. I think it takes about one week, seven days, for all these gases to leave the coffee bean. And then the coffee bean's porous, so then it's open for oxidation. So oxygen can then can come into the porous bean and deteriorate it. That's the process of oxidation. So my whole thing is I started to question, degassing, what is that? I want these gases. I can feel it in my body. I can feel a high when I drink that coffee immediately after roasting. So why am I afraid of taking in CO2? And what other gases are leaving with the CO2? Because they say there's over a thousand chemicals created during the, the roasting process. A thousand chemicals? That is a hell of a lot. So if it's just CO2 leaving and that's all they're talking about, it must degas before you can taste these specific flavors. And that's what the barista competition is about tasting specific flavors. So what they're pretty much saying is the coffee bean has to deteriorate. It has to decompose. It has to degas. It has to rest before your taste buds are able to recognize those certain flavors. Yeah. But, and, yeah. yeah but, but my experience is when I taste it immediately after roasting, it's alive and I'm getting all of these gases and these drugs and these chemicals and it makes me feel great. It makes me feel alive. It makes me happy. It makes me inspired. And I, I see my thought process, um, uh, what happens. So why let it degas? Why let it rest? If you're focusing on 
specific flavors, I think you're missing the point because what you get is when you have it fresh roasted, it's alive. Freshness should be a, be a flavor. So yeah. I have a little bit of a background in uh, raw food because my wife uh, was a raw food chef. And I started to tune into the energy of foods. And this was during the same time that I was roasting my own coffee. And I realized roasted coffee is similar to a raw food in that there are these components, these micro phytonutrients, these chemicals that are active and alive when it's fresh roasted. And this is like raw food. You want to take that in before the food is cooked. It's so much more alive, gives you so much more energy. Coffee is really the same way immediately after roast. Mm. And again, that's just another massive education point. As a, as a coffee drinker myself is thinking, yeah, I never really thought about drinking coffee whilst it's still gassing in a way. And it is true that um, a lot of the time as a coffee drinker, it, it sort of um, it's talked about, no, let, let the gases come out and then grind it and then drink it. But you're, you're saying, no, take it in then. That's the key element there that we're all missing exactly. out. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, there's 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 a lot of uh, uh, I think misinformation out there uh, about the degassing. So first of all, ten years ago when I started on this journey, they were talking about in barista competitions, their preferred time to let the coffee rest or degas was four to six weeks. Four to six weeks. I mean, that's all. All the elements are out, and I call it dead coffee at that point because the coffee is breathed out. Everything that's going to breathe out, and the only thing that's going to come in is oxidation. It doesn't happen when it's a vacuum sealed bag. But as soon as you open that bag, oxidation is happening immediately. So they are four to six weeks. Today, that time period over the past years has been cut down tremendously. So today, now people are starting to say, oh, maybe three days to a week of degassing. Well, what happened to four to six weeks? You know, all of a sudden, you know, within 10, 10 years' time, so that whole thing, that whole idea has changed. Yeah, because people are roasting their own, and people are realizing it's like they can't fool, fool anybody anymore. Here's another thing that makes no sense whatsoever. So the SCAA has protocols for coffee cupping. And what coffee cupping is is the big companies go to these farms, and they, they try um, the coffee from these farms. They cup it. Right. And and the protocol for roasting must be roast. It, it must be between eight hours and 24 hours after roasting. They will not cup if it's more than 24 hours after roasting. between eight hours and 24 hours after roasting. So professionals are cupping and getting the the, the essence of what that coffee is about to decide whether to purchase big lots of that company, and it's roasted between 8 and 24 hours only. So why are you telling people who are buying coffee in the stores that's in a vacuum seal bag, it's as fresh when you open it as the day it was roasted? That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So something's off there, you know? <laughs> so when you look at this, uh, this information, which is not consistent, that's when you start to say, wait a minute, you know, what's, what's the truth here? That's why I call myself coffee truther. What's the truth? What is really going on? And what I found is that people do not test this. They will accept what the SCAA says, what professional baristas say, what the professional in the coffee shop, oh, no, we must let the coffee rest. And why do they say that? Why? Have you, have you tested coffee? That is two hours after roasting versus 12 hours after roasting, 12 hours after roasting, up to 24 hours, up to 24 hours after roasting. Nobody's tested. I found that they haven't. So what I five years, seven years ago, I started to test myself and I had all the machinery to test. It's very difficult because you need two group machine. You need two separate grinders. You have to taste the same origin uh, of coffee. You have to taste the same roast level. And myself. And two sommeliers, two friends of mine who were sommeliers who had very developed taste buds. Every morning for two years, we tested coffee, roasted within a certain amount of time. And what we found every time is that if you don't focus on the flavors, 
focus on the energy of the feel of of uh, how that coffee uh, stimulates you. What we found is that the closer it was to when it was roasting, the more potent and powerful it was, the more alive it was. And the way we tested was shots of espresso. So no sugar, no milk, just a pure shot of espresso, which is the most concentrated brewing method on the planet. And what we found every time was that the closer the roasting was better. And we did these tests blind too. It's a blind, blind taste test. So that convinced me right there. And then I, I, I still talk coffee professionals. They didn't know what I was talking about. And I would ask them, have you ever tested it? Well, no, but this is what so-and-so says. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, I think a lot of people got fooled because who's making the money here? And what's the interest in, in the big companies wanting people to buy coffee in the store that's vacuum packed and vacuum sealed? Mm. So my whole focus has been, you got to roast yourself because you got to try it yourself. And I tell people, look, listen to everything, but only believe from your own experience. You have to test it. Don't believe someone, no matter what kind of credentials that they have, uh, including myself, that says this is the best way to do it. Test it. Try it out. That's the only way to really know. And that's, you know, the the whole essence of this show is biohacking or n equals one experimentation so self-experimentation and figure out your own physiology but in a way this is figuring out your own likes of coffee and that's what i love about this thinking okay so i could figure out actually i like you know a bean that's roasted within x amount of hours because i can feel that difference or from this place and this process it's yeah, i just think as a coffee drinker i get so excited thinking i can customize my coffee to that level yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all, you know, because it's your own experience. I'll take what, you know, everyone's a little different. People like, uh, everyone likes their coffee a, a certain way, prepared a certain way. So I say, give the power to the people. And the way you get the power is you take the green coffee bean. You know the origin. It's becoming a lot easier to buy, to source uh, green beans now. Roast it yourself. Experiment that way. And now, boom. You, you are getting the best coffee in the world. No cafe is going to make a better coffee than that. If you're taking the green bean, you have access to the same green beans, which you do as any cafe, roasting it yourself, roasting at the level that you like, medium, dark, light, however you like it, and, and consuming it. Um, in the way you that you to, like it. Yeah. yeah. And so that's... It, yeah. And, and that's where I think we become more of an informed consumer, um, as you said. When we're, it's like going to the farmer in in an essence as a consumer, buying green beans and thinking, yeah, okay, you know, I want to source the green beans, and I get to inspect them before I roast them, and I get to see them, and yeah, start experimenting with them. Which is, Absol again, absolutely, it, most people have never seen green coffee before; they don't even know what it looks like. Yeah. And when you when you start uh, buying green and roasting yourself. You will know more about coffee than 99% of the people in the world because there's not, it, it, this is really still a very new development. Um, but it's the most important, in my opinion, and I think it's going to be uh, the next huge wave. And that's why in my book, I say coffee, the fourth wave of fresh roasting revolution. Because I think that this fourth wave of fresh roasting uh, the coffee is going to make the biggest impact. Mm. And another fascinating point that um, we spoke about offline before the show was something I'd never heard of before was maturing the green bean and knowing the age of the green bean and how much of an effect that has on us. Right. So uh, this is an area that I never knew about either. No one's talking about aging green coffee. So from my perspective, you roast it, use it right away. Okay, no question of that. Aging roasted coffee, no. It's just deteriorating. The oils are going rancid. Um, all the good chemicals are going out. It's becoming stale, oxidized. You don't want to do that. But in its green form, I visited a place in Bandung, 
on the big island of Java in Indonesia. And the, the name of the, the coffee place is Aroma Coffee, A-R-O-M-A. And they have been around since the early 20th century, early 1900s. And the guy who started the business, um, he had researched coffee from the cherry to the cup. He had connection with the farmers. Uh, he, ha- he has uh, a couple big German-made roasting machines, a 100-kilo machine and a 60-kilo machine. Um, and what this guy's process is, is he roasts every day and he sells everything that he's roasted each day. Doesn't use vacuum packing, uh, none of that. He, he roasts and sells and he has lines outside of his, outside of his shop. And the interesting that he does, thing that he does, is he ages his green coffee. His Arabica coffee, he ages for eight years before roasting. Eight years. I mean, that to me was, well, I mean, that's a, uh, a huge amount of time. And he has this huge warehouse. Coffee's coming in all the time. And he's storing it in the warehouse for eight years before he's roasting it. Now, what I noticed here in Bali is that when we had new crop, uh, which so we just went through the harvest season, three months later, it's dry, it's ready to be roasted, it's new crop after like three months. And it feels to me, it doesn't um, uh, taste as good and it doesn't feel as good if it's new crop like that. And before that, we used to only have coffee at least one year after uh, the harvest period. So older crop. And I noticed I really like the older crop a lot, a lot better. So I went to visit this guy in Bandung and talk with him, with his son now, because he, he, uh, he's passed on and he's left the business to uh, his family, his son, who runs it. And his son talks about the changes that happen when you age the coffee. The acidity level drops to zero. And coffee is one of the most acidic drinks you can drink. So that's a big health benefit, having very low acidity coffee. The other thing that happens is the caffeine levels drop. Um, now, I mean, there's, there's so many questions that I have uh, about uh, coffee when it's fresh roasted, when it's not fresh roasted. This really needs to be studied in the lab scientifically, and no one's willing to do it because they're not making coffee like this. The big companies aren't going to fund it. So I plan on funding these, these studies over time. It's going to take quite a bit of time. Uh, and I want to know exactly, so how much lower is the caffeine when you age the coffee? Maybe a 10 or 15-year-old coffee could be like a decaf almost. Mm-hmm. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing, not having a decaf process, but having an aged coffee, kind of like wine or whiskey or or uh, something that has a, a very low caffeine level and you could be drinking it for the taste, like after dinner or something, and not have to worry about that caffeine. So he said there, there's a, quite a number of health benefits that he claims. Now, he hasn't studied scientifically, but this is his, his own personal experience. And he is 100 years doing this, so I take more stock in his uh, experience and what he's learned from this process uh, than I do with researching and finding things online, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but there has to be more study. I want to know, you know, what else uh, is, uh, is in this. And I tried to get some green coffee from him, but he, he doesn't have a license to sell green coffee, only roasted coffee. So he couldn't sell me any green coffee. So I took some home. And I brewed it the next day, so it was still 24 hours after roasting. And what I noticed was the the flavor was very rich. It was almost a very grounded, deep, um, and, you know, I want to say like like whiny, maybe like a, a, a richer, uh, denser coffee, something that. And that would make sense to me um, for a coffee uh, that's been aged, that uh, it would have a um, a more intense uh, feel, almost like a um, 
like a fine wine or liquor or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely want to do more studies in that area. I think that that opens up a whole new way of looking at coffee. If you go into a cafe, let's say, and you can choose your origin of green beans. You can choose when the harvest was on that. So your vintage of green beans, you can choose your roast level and have everything done there right for you. Now you're getting into maximizing what this sacred substance really is all about. Yeah. I, yeah. I just love that idea. It's, you know, it, I'm sure anyone who's a wine drinker or a whiskey drinker appreciates the different ages that come with it. So I can think, ah, oh, you know, I, I drank a 2005 red wine from this region and it was superb versus the 2016, you know, one. And the same with whiskey, like a 21-year-old age whiskey from this place done through this process is a completely different experience versus a, a new new one that's just come out the barrel or you know, it was only in the barrel with this wood for this amount of time. And that kind of thinking is actually a, the same in coffee. And I just, mm. to me, that blows my mind thinking, wow, I can take coffee to a whole new level. Think, um, thinking, yeah, I'd love to drink a 2015 green bean from this region or this farm. And it's a completely different experience. Um, I just love that idea. You know, yeah, <laughs> I want I want to have those conversations with my barista when I go down to a coffee shop. Saying, can you can you roast yeah, that? Yeah, they for don't me? know what you're talking about because <laughs> they're not learning this in school. They're not experimenting on their own. They're just they're practicing what they what they've already learned. Mm. And and that it's really so limiting. People aren't testing on their own. And I really encourage people to to uh, to test yourself. I'm involved in a. Facebook Home Roasters page. I really recommend anybody who's interested in, in roasting your own coffee, join these groups because the passion of these people who are roasting their own coffee, I mean, is really incredible. You know, people are building their own roasters, doing different ways. They're sharing information. It's the most active group I've ever been involved in. I mean, it's really amazing. You have, you have a several... Uh, I, I think there's about 1,200 members or so, new members coming on each time. And people so passionate about their coffee because this is a big deal. You know, it, it's, it's the first thing that usually people have when they wake up and it really has the power to make your day start off uh, in a great way. So the, the people who are posting um, are sharing their own experiences. And it's, it's exciting because they're coming to their own conclusions. They're not all just buying what the big companies are talking about. Still, I think some believe, oh, you have to rest your coffee. And I, I, I asked them why, because, well, that's what so-and-so recommended. You know, they're not all yet testing on their own, but several of them are coming to their own conclusions. And these are people who have been roasting coffee on their own maybe 10 or 20 years. They have a lot of experience. So uh, I'm there and I'm asking questions. I want to find out, you know, what kind of testing are they doing? What kind of experience they have? What, what do they feel about certain things? And I'm just learning really quite a bit about other people's uh, experiences. So I, I highly recommend people joining a uh, book home roasting uh, group. There's a few of them out there and it's uh, – um, packed with passionate people and with loads of information. And so that sort of brings us into people now thinking, okay, so is it possible I can do this myself when you're talking about home roasting? And traditionally you would think, oh, is it cumbersome? Is it is it an issue? Is it, you know, uh, does it take so much time in my day to make this? So if you wouldn't mind just explaining, you've got a really cool machine that's coming out to help speed this process up with how to make your own fresh coffee. And like, and if you could just explain some of the issues you had with home roasting that you're solving with, with your more compact machine. Yeah, so um, uh, traditionally, home roasters have been a really innovative group. And have used different home appliances to roast their own coffee. So hot air popcorn poppers, 
Yeah, the interesting thing about popping popcorn and roasting coffee is they both need similar temperatures. Popcorn is a little bit lower than coffee, maybe 20 degrees Celsius uh, lower to be finished to finally pop than uh, coffee between, let's say, first and second second crack. And these are kind of technical terms. Some of your listeners will know, some will um, not that important. But the coffee, the doneness of the coffee is pretty similar to popcorn. So people have been taking hot air popcorn poppers and putting coffee in there and roasting coffee that, that way. The, the benefit is it's cheap. You know, people can find a, a used hot air popcorn popper at a flea market for five bucks. And they've been starting to uh, use that as a roaster. Sometimes it works. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work so well. So that's the, the, the downside is it's inconsistent. So you have the method uh, of the machine, um, which is called fluid bed roasting, which means that hot air is heating up the coffee and roasting it like a hot air popcorn popper would. Um, and that's called fluid bed roasting, where most of the big commercial roasters are drum roasters. And they use propane and they heat the coffee that's in a rotating drum mm-hmm. in, in massive quantities. So, yeah, those, those are the big roasters I've seen at, um, at coffee shops where they roast right. on site. That's right. And yeah. you ever see one of those roasters and it looks like they took steam engine parts from the, from the 1900s and put them together. It looks like an old steam engine. All mm-hmm. of them, you know, and, and it's really a very old method. It's an old technology. That technology was first invented by this guy named Jabez Burns in the mid 1800s. He invented the first commercial drum roaster, and it pretty much hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is now you can hook up a computer and get what's called roast profiles which I think is a, a, a lot of hype and BS. I never use a gross profile. Um, but they've added, added some things to make it seem high-tech. And these machines cost tens of thousands of dollars. It's like crazy. So if you're looking at a, a coffee roaster, commercial coffee roaster, you're, you're looking at maybe for a 10-kilo roaster, $30,000. Who has that kind of money to spend, right? And, yeah. and my initial thing, I started building commercial roasters. And I started on my outdoor barbecue grill because that's how I started roasting my own coffee. And the stories, uh, my story about that uh, is in the book. And right now, I build a commercial drum roaster, which is an eight kilo roaster. And I sell it for $3,500 because I wanted to, to sell to cafes so they could roast their own coffee at a fraction of the cost of what one of these humongous uh, big commercial roasters with all these dials and gauges would do. And mine does a really great job. And I, I make them here in Bali and we use them in our cafes. We roast every single day, like the guy in Bandung. We roast every day and we sell everything that we roast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I, what I wanted to do was there's not a lot of cafes wanting to buy roasters like that. You know, they'd rather not have to do that process and buy from these big roasters who are then distributing. So I said, how can I bypass that, that then? Why, why don't we create a home roaster so people can roast at home? And people are already doing this, popcorn poppers, uh, hair dryers. Some people take hair dryers or heat guns, put the coffee in there and stick it in there in a bowl and maybe wave it around for like 20 minutes. Very time-consuming, uh, tiring. Um, not very efficient. And the, the oldest method is to roast on a wok on a stove. But the problem with that is inconsistency. You get a lot of burned, uh, coffee on, on, you know, it's, it's not, uh, evenly, evenly roasted. Mm -hmm. So I started to think, okay, so how can people be able to roast their coffee at home affordably? Because that really is the key here. If someone can roast their own coffee, it doesn't cost them any more. And they can actually save money if they're buying green coffee and roasting it themselves. That's when maybe they'll do it. But they'll also need to be able to do it in a very short amount of time. 
So what I and a partner started to do, we started to look at the food bed roasting, these hot air popcorn poppers, see what works, take apart 40, maybe different machines that all do a similar thing, but they all have uh, different setups inside, different power, different fuses that go off at different times. And what we did was redesign these pieces in order to make a roaster that could roast a decent amount of coffee, 120 grams, about a quarter pound, in six minutes or less. I think time is a very important factor to make it convenient for people. And also to have it affordable. So it has to cost. And uh, uh, the price of our machine is about 300 US dollars. So in the first year, if you're buying green coffee and using our machine, I mean, there's a savings of like a thousand bucks because roasted coffee costs quite a bit more than if you're buying green and roasting it yourself. So we came up with this machine and made a couple prototypes and we just launched a Kickstarter campaign last month and we were successful. We raised about 40,000 US dollars. So we're going to start our first production run of this machine. We've already had a working prototype almost a year and it works phenomenally well. And this is how I roast at home in the morning. I take uh, my 120 grams of green coffee, put it in that machine, and in five and a half minutes, I'm done. I get to choose what roast level I want. I can stop at any time that I want, and it's just simple, on-off switch. There's no dials and gauges. It's not complex. Roasting coffee is really very simple. It's a very simple process, and this machine does a very even roast in a very short amount of time. It's affordable, and that is what I've wanted to offer people because I think that once they have a way to do it in their homes uh, where it's affordable, it's easy, it's convenient, then I think uh, they'll go for it. So we're just getting that, uh, rolling that out and starting to manufacture. And I want to do some other models. I want to continue along. Uh, those lines, because I think roasting coffee in your own home is the, is the key to great coffee. Yeah, and that's what, as a, again, as a coffee drinker, I get excited to hear about that, to think, wow, I'm in control where I can even experiment with roasting my own coffee conveniently at home. And it's, as you said, six or five minutes, that's nothing, you know, because right. we, we have to wait normally four minutes to to get the br- good brew time, depending on your, your brewing method. So to think how convenient that in the morning, I can wake up, go downstairs and, you know, in the kitchen, have this little unit that's not massive and uh, so you could live in an apartment in new york and still be able to use this thing and uh roast some fresh green beans get it you know get it done and then grind it and then brew it and drink it and as you said the experience maybe that pivotal moment in your life like you had all those years ago that same feeling and you get to experience that every morning you know as a coffee drink again i just get so excited thinking about that and wh- what you end up doing is uh creating your own ritual you're creating your own coffee ceremony because instead of going down, okay, you have the beans that you bought, you grind it, you brew it, maybe it takes five minutes and now you're drinking your coffee. Now it's going to maybe take 10 to 15 minutes from the whole process, roasting, grinding, and brewing. But you're taking it from green to cup. I mean, that's a huge difference. And you, so you're getting the benefits that any professional roaster in the world, any cafe in the world that is going to take the green coffee into the cup wow now you are are getting you're maximizing your coffee experience and you make it a ritual and what i find is that people can't wait to wake up earlier to do this ritual and it becomes uh, a personal thing you know you, you 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 wake up you go downstairs and now you're roasting your own coffee it's cool the whole process it's cracking, uh, and and you're seeing it develop from green to to yellow to brown to darker brown. It's really very exciting. And then when you grind that fresh roasted coffee, there's no smell like it in the world. You cannot believe how good it can smell. There's so many different aromas there, and those aromas are deteriorating by the hour. So. The next day, it's not going to be quite as good. Two days, three days later, 
it's not going to be nearly as good. When you grind it just after roasting, you cannot believe it. It's the most incredible smell, one of the most incredible smells in the world. There's no bitterness. It's nutty. It, it it's it's sweet. It's chocolatey. Wow. I mean, it's really amazing. So then, when you brew it after that, whatever brew method that you're using, um, it's it's part of the part of the whole experience, and you're engaging your senses. Now, without scientific data, that's the only thing we have in order to be objective about what the the difference is in doing coffee this way, right? We have our senses, mm. so we're smelling it being fresh roasted has a great smell being fresh roasted. We're, smell, we're smelling the grind just after we grind it, the roasted coffee. Again, the aroma is just incredible. And then we're tasting it. So we're using all of our senses. And then our, our feeling sense of how, how does it feel in my body? You know, am I, am I inspired? Am I awake? Am I ready to take on the day in a way that if I had just a normal cup of coffee that I used to drink, eh, I'd be like, a little bit of caffeine buzz maybe, but that's it. So these other chemical elements, I think, are really very pow powerful. And I think they make the synapses in your brain work a lot better because when you have that really great cup of fresh roasted, freshly ground, freshly brewed coffee, wow, you are alive, you are focused, you are present now, awake in the physical world. That's why I say coffee is the drug for human consciousness, because we usually have it first thing when we wake up. And when we've been in a sleep state, we've been in an unconscious state. We've been somewhere else. It's not the same as being awake in the physical world. Then when we wake up in the physical world, we're using coffee as this mediator between unconsciousness and consciousness. And I think coffee, more than any other drug on the planet does a masterful job at bringing us into the physical moment alive and ready to take on our day mm. yeah i know that feeling and that's i think why everyone loves having that morning cup of coffee to to get inspired get going for the day and yeah. um you you mentioned earlier too with, with your coffee story how you were a decaf drinker, now you can drink caffeinated coffee. So, you've also found that when you drink fresh coffee, as you've described it, that you, it's, you don't suffer the jitteriness and the, maybe some of the negative side effects that some people might experience with coffee drinking. That's right, because I'm drinking 100% Arabica. I don't drink any Robusta. Uh, mm -hmm. Robusta coffee has twice the caffeine of Arabica. And Robusta is used by the big coffee coffee companies because it's cheap it's used as a filler it it boosts the caffeine level so it's almost like to get the population hooked on high caffeine and you know it's like with the monster energy those other uh, energy drinks that are just loaded with caffeine mm -hmm. that is not a pleasant buzz that's a very jittery buzz that makes you feel, makes me feel paranoid i do not like to to be that high strung I like to be focused and awake, but not jittery. And what I found and what I've turned many people on to is 100% Arabica coffee. Arabica is a much higher prized coffee. It's much more expensive than Robusta. It's harder to grow, only grows at elevation. Um, the yields are lower. It's, it's, it's harder to grow, and that's what makes it more expensive. But it's also been prized for centuries as the best coffee the the um the taste of it the effects of it and it has half the caffeine of robusta these other elements and again we need to go into a lab to do a chemical analysis to know exactly what are the are the differences there but i can tell you from my experience myself in in what i am drinking 100% arabica and many other people who come to me say, oh, I can't drink coffee. And I ask them why. Oh, it gives me jittery. I'm too high sensitive. It, I feel a burning sensation down my throat. So you've been drinking Robusta. You try drinking this Arabica. See if it's, see if it's different. And every time they come back to me and say, I can drink coffee. Wow, it doesn't, it doesn't put me over the edge like this other coffee was. People do not know what kind of coffee they're drinking. 
I say that's the first question you should ask. Is this, is this Robusta? Is this 100% Arabica or is it a blend? And a lot of places use blends. There's, there's, there's a lot of tricks here that the big uh, commercial coffee companies, even cafes kind of use. And, and I'll just give you one of these tricks. So if you have older Robusta and older Arabica, the older Robusta is going to make a better crema from an espresso machine. It's going to make a thicker crema as compared to the older Arabica. So when you have old coffee, people like to, the professionals like to blend, put a little bit of Robusta in there so you'll have a better crema when it comes out. But when you're using fresh roasted coffee, it's all crema coming out. So when you have 100% Arabica coffee and you're pulling a shot in an espresso machine, it is all crema coming out. And the crema is really telling you those are the chemicals. And, and that is that light brown, thick top that you see. And if you leave the shot of espresso there on the espresso machine, that light brown top is leaving every second. <laughs> you have to capture it as soon as possible. Those are the chemicals. Those are the good chemicals that you want from Arabica. So that's one of the tricks that coffee shops will say, oh, we blend with Robusta. Why are you blending with Robusta? It's a cheaper coffee and it has twice the caffeine. Oh, and they, they, then they'll talk maybe about taste, how it adds something to the taste, which is not true. It doesn't have, add anything to the taste. It's, it's more of an earthy kind of bitter kind of taste, the Robusta. Um, it's only because they want to have more crema to show that, oh, see the crema and the nice crema on that coffee? Because maybe they're using old coffee. But that's why I say 100% Arabica, fresh roasted, that is the best. And I don't drink anything else. And the other thing is, I'll drink less coffee. I only drink coffee in the morning. I don't drink coffee all day long. It's too much. I don't want to drink it all day long. I get my hit in the morning. I'm good for the rest of the day. I don't want it. And if I have it late in the afternoon or something like that, it throws me off. It, it, I, it doesn't feel good in my body anymore. Mm. So people who drink this kind of coffee that I'm recommending, they say, you know, I used to drink coffee all day long, but now I just, I just drink it once in the morning. That's all I need. I say exactly right because you're getting all of the elements. Before when you're drinking it all day long, the only thing you're getting is caffeine. And caffeine, after a certain amount of time, starts having the opposite effect. It starts putting you to sleep. It's not keeping you awake the whole time. So people say, I can drink coffee. It puts, you know, I can sleep, have it at night and fall asleep. Yeah, because after, and I think it's like 300 to 350 milligrams that the human body can take, it starts having the opposite effect. It starts putting you to sleep, not keeping you more awake. So I liken that to obesity. People who are obese are eating processed foods that have no nutritional value. So they're always hungry. And so they eat more. That's a big problem. And that's what raw food has been able to solve that problem. People go on a raw food diet. They're not eating anymore because they're getting all, the, all these nutrients. They eat much, much less, right? Mm. Uh, coffee is the same way. When you're having coffee with these elements that I'm describing that is in this type of coffee, you don't want to drink it all day long. You're getting enough. That's okay, you know? And the next morning, boom, you're ready for it again. So I only drink it one time in the early in the morning when I wake up. That's it. I don't want it any other time. And people report to me the same thing and say, you know what? Since I started drinking coffee this way, I drink less coffee. I get more out of it and I'm drinking less coffee. Yeah. And again, as you said, when it comes to self-experimentation, that would be one thing you could test on yourself and think, wow, that's that's been a change by drinking fresher coffee that I feel I need less or um, yeah, my consumption levels has changed. But it, you know, when you mentioned that too, it gets me thinking with all the research studies that do come out from t at times about either the health benefits or the health risks when it comes to coffee. This is something I never hear talked about as, as to, okay, so what, uh, where is it Arabica or Robusta, but also how fresh was the coffee that the people are consuming in the study? Because it oh, sounds exactly. like, exactly. it sounds like if you have fresh, fresh coffee, yeah, yeah, if you have fresh coffee, it's a different science study. That's right. That's right. So all those studies are, well, who's doing the studies? The big coffee companies. They're the ones that are, that are promoting and funding all those studies. 
And they don't want you to, to know that you're going to drink less coffee because they want to sell coffee. It's more profits for them. So they're not going to make it that way, right? They're not mm-hmm. going to come and say, hey, here's a better coffee, drink it, you'll drink less. <laughs> it's not good for them, right? So they have all these studies that say, oh, you know, drinking, and now it's unlimited. You know, drinking coffee all day long is, you know, the great benefits, stuff like that. I don't take any of those studies. I, I cannot take any of them seriously because I know who's behind it and who's funding it. And that's why I, I know I'm going to have to do my own studies. I already started a little bit at uh, Singapore Polytechnic Institute, and we we took coffee that fresh, freshly roasted, freshly brewed, freshly ground, freshly brewed uh, versus uh, a coffee that was roasted. And actually, it was fresh roasted that day versus coffee roasted a week earlier, just a week earlier, which is a lot fresher than anything you buy in the store. And it showed that the coffee roasted that day had 300% more activity, more molecular activity. We used a magnetic resonance machine to measure molecular activity. And the molecular activity between roasted that day and roasted a week before was 300% higher. The only thing that that machine tells us, though, is molecular activity. It doesn't tell us the exact components of what is active, what are those ingredients. And that's the next level of test that I want to do. And what's the sort of the difficulty when it comes to sourcing green beans so now people are going to think okay i definitely i want to do this i want to roast my own beans is it hard to source green beans there's, as a there's consumer a, there's a few companies now in the u.s that you can order online to source green beans we want to start um uh offering green beans for sale and also different vintages too right but mm. uh right now uh people can go to sweet maria's www.sweetmarias.com or bermancoffee.com, B-U-R-M-A-N. And these are places that sell green coffee in smaller quantities that uh, people can buy. It's it's very easy to source nowadays. And mm. they can buy in one, three-pound, five-pound packages. Again, it uh, doesn't matter if you have, have it and it's going to last for a month, two months, three months. It's just going to get better with age. So there's no risk in storing the the green coffee. But uh, this is different because before, the only green coffee you could buy was through the big distributors who sell it in bags of 60 and 70 kilo bags. Well, that's like 120 to 150 pound bags. And people aren't used to (laughs) trucking in uh, that amount of coffee to their home, right? So... They these uh, few companies, and there's probably more out there. And every country should should have uh, some uh, companies selling uh, green coffee in smaller quantities. Also, local roasters might might sell. They might not. They they might sell green coffee. If they do, they might be a very high price, not that much less than what roasted coffee uh, would sell for. Um, but the normal wholesale price of green coffee is pro- is somewhere between five to ten dollars a pound. A pound. A pound. Yeah. And if if you're buying roasted coffee, you could pay upwards of fifteen to twenty five dollars a pound, depending on where it's from. Now, the one thing you have to realize is that the coffee bean loses weight during the roasting process. It will lose, depending on where the bean is from, between 15 to 25% of its weight. But at the same time, it increases in volume by 50% or more, also depending on, on where the coffee's from. So it's bigger. but And, and that's why a lot of roasted coffees in 12-ounce packages, because they may have roasted 16 ounces, but... They're putting it in 12-ounce packages, so they're just uh, using that uh, packaged coffee, let's say, because that's what their loss may be, is four, mm. four ounces, roasted coffee versus uh, green coffee. Okay, so that's cool. find a pound of green coffee, figure it's going to net you 12 ounces of roasted coffee. That's a good good tip for people to to, to know too. Yeah. Um, 
we've got so much more we can talk about coffee right now um but i can see we're already over the hour mark on this particular one uh i i want to continue on the conversation about coffee if you're okay with that uh asher yeah sure yeah so um but i just want to let people know i'm going to create this as a part two so Right now, just for listeners on this particular episode, are there any particular links now that you'd like to share so that they can either follow you or find out more or even, you know, potentially even get hold of that uh, that machine that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, so there's uh, a couple websites. One is for our machines called the Power Roaster, and that is www.powerroaster.com. P-O-W-E-R-R-O-A-S-T-E-R.com, spelled exactly like it sounds. And uh, on that site, uh, we will um, keep updated on our latest models. We want to diversify, too, also uh, selling green coffee. And I want to get into selling the grinders and brewers because I think there's, there's ways to be able to make these machines simpler and more affordable that don't have some bells and whistles that i think are unnecessary right so that's what mm-hmm. my whole goal is is to simplify this process there's another site that i just started called coffeetruther.com and on that i have all my videos listed from my coffee university series that's my youtube channel coffee university and i started a coffee truther videos as well where i talk about some of the myths and try to debunk some of the claims of the commercial coffee industry. And that is C-O-F-F-E-E-T-R-U-T-H-E-R.com, coffeetruther.com. And that is where my book is going to be uh, for sale also. We'll have a link there. Uh, my book is called Coffee, the Fourth Wave of Fresh Roasting Revolution. And that is going to be, I think it should hit on Amazon in maybe another four to six weeks or so. So. Not quite ready yet, but on the coffeetruther.com, it will show up there first. And we're going to offer that book for like a 40% discount through the, the Coffee Truther site. Um, hmm. Again, you know, I want to get this information out there. I mean, uh, I, I have a lot of coffee projects that I do. It's sustaining me. But my whole aim and goal is to turn people on to this because – I know how important it is for a lot of people and how it really changes lives. And I take it very seriously. So I'm just trying to, um, to promote the, the best way, the most affordable way to the masses. The more people who learn this and who are involved in roasting their own coffee, I believe, the better. Yeah, and I think yeah, already just myself having listened to what you've you've been talking about, I'm so much more educated about the the process of coffee that I'm drinking, and I want to become more educated so I can make a better decision as to the health benefits and the quality of coffee that I, I want to keep drinking because I do enjoy it. So I just want to say thank you so much for sharing already what you have, and for anyone listening, get ready for part two um, where I'm going to be getting more truth bombs about coffee from Asher. Mm-hmm.